eerie and strange sound, almost frightening. Yet it's made by one of the world's friendliest and most entertaining mammals, the dolphin. In this case, not just any dolphin, but fungi, a fully mature male specimen who lives in the waters of Dingle County, Kerry. Fungi was first discovered by two local divers, John O'Connor and Ronnie Fitzgibbon. Ronnie has since written a book on his experiences with fungi over the past five years. No strangers to creatures who frequent the waters of the Kerry coast I wondered what it was like to come face to face with such a huge animal for the first time. My first encounter was is on the Whitwick end of 1966. Uh, being born, Stranded Dingle was the home of Trelisa Backward Club. And you know, over the years we were scouted and at that time everything was spearfishing. So I remember one day I was spearfishing and the next thing I saw this pollock and he's swimming along a massive size of one. And, and of course I went to shoot him there, I looked up and I saw this grating over me and I nearly died with the fright. <laughs> and it turned out to be a, a dolphin. And that dolphin's been quite a while around Dingle and, and then just disappeared. And again in 1974, another dolphin took up residence in, in Dingle, but unfortunately he died. And um, then again in 1984, fungi came. Mm. Um, what was your first meeting with, with Fungi like? How, how did you come to, to find him in the first place? What happened actually was it was John O'Connor and his daughter Deirdre who live in Beanborn and they just go down there in the evenings you know, for, for a swim and um, John was teaching Deirdre snorkeling and when they went swimming there the, the dolphin just appeared so John rang me and, and the following evening I went out and there he was, the dolphin and that was the start of our relationship you know, we were afraid of him as he was the boss. But however, you know, it took two solid years before we were able to touch him. Mm. And in that time, you know, he was coming closer and closer, near, you know, nearer to us, and, and eventually like, he just allowed us to touch him. Yeah. When, when you found him first, how aware were the people in the town that, that they had a dolphin living right on their doorstep? Did they know at that stage? Well, the fishermen knew there was a dolphin there in the sense that he was followed the boat in and out. But um, I think some of them thought we were starting mad, you know, trying to swim with the dolphin. But you see, for, for quite a while, the dolphin was in Bean Barn Strand, and we swam in the round Bean Barn Strand with him. And it was only then when we found, you know, that the weather was getting bad and everything, that it was important to move away from there because it cut down the time we could spend with the dolphin. But by moving him into the harbour, which took over a month, uh, generally, like, the the water there is glass cam and it's very easy to uh, to swim there. The only problem is like you have the boats going in and out but we were able to spend time and that was the time I think that 
the fisherman thought it was done, Raven meant to be swimming with the dolphin. Is it a case when you go out now on the boats that uh, Fungi finds you rather than you go looking and find him? Yeah, Fungi is always waiting in around, you know, we'd say from Hussey's Folly across to, you know, across to the Gravelly Strand. He's always in around there, but now he's, he doesn't get much of a chance now to, to be on his own. You know, there are boats and tourists all the time out to see him. Dolphins generally, although they're they're quite prolific around the world, very little I- is actually known about them. There's very, very little information on dolphins. When we started to swim with fungi, we found it impossible to get information on, on, on dolphins. Uh, no matter what book you get, you'll find only a few short little paragraphs on the dolphin. And I think what we have discovered or, or what happened with us over the years you know, is, is probably as much as... Um, you know, the information we got, let's put it this way, the information we got was from true experience and mm. from spending time with the dolphin. Mm. And, um, for instance, the, the experts tell you the dolphins swallow fish head first, but uh, no one told that to fungi. Mm. Is, he, is he the sort of dolphin that, you, that you've read about in the books, apart from that, or generally? You know, for instance, like in Belly Bunyan you know, or in the Mahari is when you're going out on the boat, dolphins will generally appear and sw- swim with you. And um, if you stop the boat, they'll come around for a while and then they're gone. But it's very hard to say with fungi that, that he's so unique. You know, he comes and he'll stay around the boat and you can get into the water and he'll come to you and he'll play with you. And I suppose everything he does is unique, really. Mm. It's different than, than what the other dolphins do, but... Um, one, for instance, Christmas morning in 1988, uh, sorry, Christmas morning 1887, uh, John and myself and his daughter went out to and a lady from Cornwall who wanted to see the dolphin, we went out and uh, prior to that it, the weather had been quite bad and we hadn't been out for the week and um, when we went out, the out of the harbour, we went into a place called the Gravelly and generally we just pull in the boat there and put on the gear and get in then and swim off with him. And he beached himself. You know, I suppose he was so lonely and he had no one for a while. He just beached himself completely out of the water and then we were able to rub him down and he pushed himself back in then again and went off out and swam with us. And mm. Was he in any danger at that point if you hadn't been there, do you think? Not at all, no. no. Oh, no, I've often seen him go right up in a rock and, and hold himself out for a couple of minutes at a time. Uh, and then just turn around and throw himself back in again. Mm. He has thrown fish into the boat too. Oh, on numerous occasions it was. Not a lot into our boat, but into every boat out there. You know. Is this just part of the game he's playing? I think it's part of the game, yeah. He likes to, you know, he says, look, you lads, there's plenty of fish for everyone. Take mm. a few in. What happens is to say, on the evenings, when the fishermen are coming in from the day's fishing, they are cleaning the fish and they throw out lots of, of dead fish in the harbour um, and they sink to the bottom and I suppose fungi thinks that they're trying to feed him so he comes up then and throws fish back into, into the boats thinking that he's giving back mm. what he got, you know By now I'd heard enough I knew I had to experience this fascinating creature at first hand Ronnie made contact with John O'Connor and it was agreed we would take a boat trip the very next day so on a frosty but clear morning we got into our wetsuits, put the inflatable boat in the water and headed out of Dingle Harbour. Have we started to move into his area yet? <laughs> Not far off now in a moment. So 
what's the first sign of him? Does he does he surface just off the normally you'll just see it the fin, you know. Yeah. Coming from the distance, getting bigger and bigger as it comes. Or often he just appears right alongside the boat. Yeah. So it's a case of keep a sharp eye out sort of from now. That's right. He'll probably sneak up on us when we're releasing. Yeah. Where are we now exactly, John? What is the name of this area? Just, on our back here you have the beach, as we mentioned already, that's the name of the Slaudine. And where you have those little huts there, that's Nancy Brown's parlour. And here then on our right, looking from this direction, is Beanborn Lighthouse. Right. Um, Paddy Ferreter is the man that looks after the lighthouse at the moment. So it's, it's real fungi territory here, anyway. Oh, yes, it is. Um, those rocks there are great for fishing off of. Uh, we catch pollock and mackerel there and grass. That's been born head over there. On um, our right over there is. Uh, the Tory Bond, they call that place. And that's Bordland Point out there. Main Bond village coming up here then on our left. And no sight of the dogs, but yes. Well, you won't hear Has he ever let you down, Ronnie? Has he ever not shown? One silver was the day the BBC came. <laughs> it would and be that day, wouldn't it? That was. The, the one evening, there was no sign of him high up, low down, we searched every place. And even we, we gave up, we thought he had disappeared. And the following morning, we went out, and there he was, and he waiting for us. He said he had a bit of business. Bit of business. <laughs> he could be out feeding, of course. Oh, yes, quite possibly. Generally, just straight out from, uh, from the rocks here, he goes. We've more or less left the, the safety of the harbour now, we're almost out the open sea. I'd be very disappointed if he lets us down. Oh, I promise you he won't. Does he like the shallow water? Oh, he does, yes. He spends most of his time in the shallows. Is this a cave here? This is a cave, yeah. How far uh, does this go in? In a little bit, but it's not. It's not about clear the water, is that? Yeah. <laughs> We often just lolling around. Is this uh, is this where he sleeps? No, further back. This is incredible. 
amazing formation. Yeah. Have you ever dived in here at night, John? Oh, yes. We regularly dive in. This is the ideal place to dive in. Pretty scary, I would imagine, coming in here at night. Yeah. What's this cave called? I, I don't know, I'm sorry. It doesn't have I, I a don't, name. Don't. Beautiful visibility, the water's crystal clear. At this stage, I must admit, I was beginning to get a little worried about our chances of ever seeing fungi. We'd been out for about half an hour searching, and still no sign. Then the excuses started to flow. Of course, the, the, the locals now are after allowing a holiday. So, he, you know, he's visiting friends. Yeah. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't settle for an old dog. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a blow. The plastic bees are there, look. Is she the way? Oh, it's a blowhole. Yeah. Do you know where that probably goes back into the oh, cave? Oh, oh, true. Oh, he's here, oh, he's here. Right. Yahoo! Where is he? He's just, just ahead of us. Just under you there. There he goes. Oh, right. <laughs> What does he weigh? Has anybody calculated, John? Well, I'd say he weighs between 800 and 1,000 pounds at this stage. And how, how big is he? Sorry? How long is he? I'd say he's, he's at least four metres in length now. I'd say he's fully grown at this stage now. Um, as for his age, um, we reckon that he's, he's, he's over 10 years of age anyway. But uh, what he could be, I, I don't know. I've heard people say he's up to 20 years of age. I would reckon he's about 10 to 12 years of age myself. And he's fully uh, grown at this stage? He's fully grown at this stage, yes. You see, he's here with, he's, he's here with his five years now. <laughs> What's your job? He's just, he's just gone right over John's shoulders. <laughs> but um, when he came here originally, he was only about six feet long. Rock is getting a bit of a kick out of this, isn't he? Yeah, he'll be in the water before long now after him, you know. And how does how does Fungi react to the dog? <laughs> he doesn't take much notice of him, actually. The dog, he'll actually go out and he'll, he'll stand on his back. But the dolphin just sinks down and he lets the poor dog float away then. But the dog never seems to learn his lesson. He keeps doing it time and time again. Where's he gone now? He'll come up from underneath now in the moment. There he is. He is extremely big. He's bigger than I thought he was. What's the, what's the first impression usually from people when they see him? Are they scared? They think he's a giant, you know, yeah. or a monster. Like he's a massive size. But after a couple of moments in the water, they realize he's very, very gentle. You know, and it's a beauty to be with him. So we get into the water with him, will we? Oh, yes, of course. You'll have to take your suit off. <laughs> you must be joking in this way. Well, at least take the collar and tie it. Yeah? <laughs> directly under us here. He seems to be playing with the boat. Oh, he's and playing with the boat. With the... See the way he lifts up the front of the boat, yeah. you know. Ready? He's got to lift her up again. And set away up there. Yeah. Yeah. 
measure the speed, he's going yes. Yeah. And it seems to take little effort. Oh, no problem. Well, he didn't let us down anyway. No, no, no. We told him you were coming. So he said he'd be ready. So he keeps surfacing on each side of the, the bow of the boat. That's right. He's looking to see who is the sign. Well, at this stage, he must recognize you, Ronnie, does he? Oh, he does, he does, yeah. He's after drowning us now. He obviously knows where we're going. Oh, he does, he does. And he knows it's playtime. Yes. Where we were going was a sheltered little cove which John and Ronnie use as an area to get close to fungi in relatively shallow water. It's about 10 metres at its deepest point. The course, we call it. I, I the, you call it the what? The course. I, I, I've looked up all the Ordnance Survey maps and, and it, has, it hasn't been given a name on any of them, so yeah. I'm, I'm not sure again. Yeah. Uh, Martin inside tells us that he, he knows the name, but he just can't recall it at the moment. It's, it's some peculiar name for it, but so far I, I, I've failed to find what the actual name is for. But it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful little place and you can see all the, all the birds up on the, the ledges, look, there are uh, guillemots and puffins and um, just ordinary common seagull. Yeah. Uh, we're, surrounded um, on, we're surrounded on three sides by this sheer face. How, how high is that, Ronnie, do you reckon? Atmosphere, it's well over 120 feet, I suppose. It's an amazing sight. Yes. So where's Fungi gone? He's in the water here somewhere with Watch us. Him. He's just stretching himself off the rocks all day. He's right behind here. It's gone very quiet all of a sudden. He's up here now and he's stretching away. And he comes home into this one. So the thing is now is to, is to get our gear on and... Uh, let's jump in. Okay. Let's jump in and, and see what happens. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> right, child. Get your gear on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cold enough. You go for it. Well, so on went the scuba equipment and after checking that everything was working properly and that fungi was still around I went over the side of the boat My first meeting was, to say the least, scary. But once I got used to this large and very fast animal, it became enormous fun. He really did want to play games. His favourite with me was to approach from behind and tip me gently on the shoulder. When I turned around, he would shoot off out of view. No matter where I looked, he always took me by surprise. I got the distinct impression that he was laughing at me. I must have looked a clumsy fool with all my equipment, a stranger in his world, but a very welcome one. to attract his attention seemed to be to get two stones from the bottom and rub them together. 
The noise is detected by his very sensitive hearing, and curiosity eventually wins the day. He gladly stayed only inches away while I stroked and scratched his leathery skin. Being a keen photographer was anxious to get some shots from the boat, so I swapped my scuba equipment for a snorkel, which would allow me to comfortably swim on the surface. This was where I discovered another game using one of the oars of the boat. Meantime, John's dog Brock was becoming more and more excited. He's still there with you, love. Yeah, he's just in there, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's coming right up to me now. Oh, he's... He he's just sitting there. Yes, he's at he's just behind you there. He, he had to come up for air, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just sitting there, and every time I push the oar close to him, he opens his mouth. <laughs> If you push him hard now at it, yeah. you know, he loves that. <laughs> he's right under you now. Watch him. He's, he's biting your fin. That's it. <laughs> Up for air again. He comes to do that much of me, and then he goes. <coughs> it makes you wonder, who's playing with who? That, that's right, yeah. <laughs> he, he just is toasted on only passing. That old gear lens. <laughs> but it was as if, it was, it was as if, when he started jumping really close, that he was saying, you know, okay, I know you're not going to do me any harm, so let's have some fun. It's yeah, he's, he's right behind you know. Yeah, but you see, when you surface dive down, yeah, he, he, when you come up, he comes with you. Yeah, I, I actually know I got a couple of beautiful slides. I hope they turn out. But I got the last one there now was brilliant. With the you two looking. of us together. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. You see, most of you had your back turned to me. Yeah, we we get you up in front of the RTE guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> 
like your water, Jay. It's for you. Well, John, we, we've we've more or less finished playing with him at this stage, and we're on our way in. But but he's he's following us along, and he's doing the same tricks he was on the way out. How far in will he follow us? Do you think? Uh, well, he'll follow us in a little bit further than what we are now. We've more or less taken a line from uh, this house here on the left-hand side on uh, Burnham and the tower over here, which is known as Hussey's Folly. Uh, more or less a straight line from there, and then, unfortunately, he will leave us. He won't cross that line ever, will he? Uh, oh, very, very seldom he does, but uh, I, I, I will see now. I'm sure he won't pass it today. In the meantime, he's still having his fun, anyway. Does he ever? He gets he gets tired anyway. Eventually, does he, Ronnie? Oh, he does. He does. At times, he decides it's time for lunch and he heads off to meet a friend. <laughs> <laughs> he knows we're leaving now. Now, before he leaves us, he, he'll do a few spectacular leaps for us. And so my encounter with the Dingle Dolphin was over. I couldn't help but wonder at how tame this truly wild creature had behaved. But what techniques had been used to make him this way? To be honest with you, we never really sat down and worked out, uh, you know, whatever techniques we should use. It was just, we felt by swimming with him and by just being natural in the water that maybe he'd come to us. Maybe if we had used, you know, feeding as such, that it might have, uh, you know, reinforced the relationship a lot earlier, but we felt he was wild and he should be wild in the wild and left wild in the wild. Mm. But I'm afraid he was he was a lot more um, intelligent than we were in the water, you know. He was he was just there and we just swam and that was it. Mm. Uh, when you found him first, or even later on, uh, did you ever contact any experts to get their opinions on, on why he would be there? Not in the beginning, but um, later on, John wrote to uh, Horace Dobbs just a, a letter, you know, informing him there was a, ding, a dolphin in Dingle and he just wrote back and said, you know, he unfortunately he wasn't in a position to come or anything, but that, um, you know, carry on with the work. Mm. That was in around April of 86. Mm. But at that stage we had, um, you know, we developed a very good relationship and the dolphin recognised us at the time. And, you know, we were able to, to swim, but we did try wearing different pieces of equipment and things and different colours, you know, and to do different little things. It was really from, I suppose, April of 86 on that we started to try everything and anything with the dolphin to make him, uh, you know, let us touch. But then it happened in, in, in 86 and... Um, from then on, we started, you know, doing different exercises. What, what was that dive like? Uh, the first or the dive when he he allowed you to touch him for the first time? Can you remember? Oh God, can I remember it? It was magic, you know. We go out every day and take up our positions in in the mouth of the harbour in Dingle, and wait for him to come. And he'd always come and he'd swim to us, you know, with tail fin uppermost, and there he'd sit, you know, and he'd be about an inch away from us. No matter how much you reached, that extra little bit you reached, he just moved that extra little bit away. I remember one day, the day we were, and we just stretched out this day, and he never moved away. You know, it was magic. But, it, it you know, you'll get this, these butterflies in your tummy now, when you, even still when you think of it. And every time I see people, you know, coming to Dingle and playing with the dolphin and touching the dolphin, I still get the exact same thing feeling happens to me again. 
and that's why I can enjoy now just even being in the boat I don't have to go into the water when I see the excitement and happiness you know of the people mm. how do you feel about all the the tourists coming in now do, do are they doing any harm do you think no I think it's great because uh, not now from the business point of view but the people become aware of a dolphin and you know when they see the dolphins long ago they shoot dolphins and and now they're more aware of the dolphin they see you know it's a, something beautiful and mm. you can interact with a dolphin and swim with them and mm. they won't harm you or anything are you surprised that he has stayed for for so long i'm not to be honest with you because i feel like that that um, he has everything going for him in dingle he's the center of attraction he has all the food he needs and his damn nice people swimming with him and diving with him and Aren't the people in Dingle nice? Mm. Has he ever come to any harm? Has anybody? Has he ever? Like I know, for example, that he swims very close to the propellers of the boats. Has he ever been injured? He does. Yeah, he gets quite. He gets a lot of cuts, but fortunately, uh, they seem to heal up very fast. Generally, in about um, a week to ten days is the most that you'd see a cut on him, and they seem to clear up. Because very little is known about dolphins in the wild, John and Ronnie had a golden opportunity to carry out interesting experiments. Some of them very unusual. You know all these experiments you mm. wanted to do with the dolphin. You want to know did he understand us? Mm. Would he kind of communicate with us? But how do you communicate with a dolphin? So what we did was we said, look, you know how would he react to noise and stuff? So we got a lift bag, mm. and we put an ordinary little speaker into it, and of course it was filled with air. Then and we, you know, just pulled it down and brought it under the water, and the speaker being in air was able to. To work perfect, and from the boat above, we had the music and we played James Last playing the Rose of Tria, and your men really responded to it. But all it was is was the noise to say, and and the sound. So opening and there lately, you now I was looking at these these speakers. It was just pure chance I spotted them. They're waterproof speakers; they can be used actually underwater. And what they're used now for in swimming pools and things, where people are learning to scuba dive, you can give your instructions without ever having to go into the water. But does the water not travel, or the air, does it not travel so fast through the, the water that you can't really pick it up? No, you can pick it up perfect, but you don't know where it's coming from. Oh, right. You see, because it, it, light sound travels a lot faster than water than it does in air. Mm. So that this, uh, you, can, you can hear it perfect, mm. but you can't, you, you don't know, it's like the engine of a, of a boat, you can hear it perfect underwater, but you don't know where it came from. Yeah. But anyway, it was perfect, perfect underwater. But then we found out after all we had to do was put it on the hull of the boat mm. and and the sound would, would vibrate through the boat down and the dolphin could hear it as well, but we didn't know that at the time. But it was like we tried with uh, a mirror to know how would he react to looking at himself in a mirror. And um, we got a mirror. It was costly in terms of mirrors because we brought down the mirror and we'd you know, try and position ourselves in such a way that the dolphin could see the mirror. And after a while then that he could see the mirror and ourselves in it, himself and, and the diver in it, because he was, you know, starting to poke it. But after a while, when we put it on flat, the dolphin would swim over and he'd put a tail fin uppermost again, head down, and he'd looking at it and then he'd start pecking it. And what he was trying to do was to flip it over to see what was at the other side, where was the other dolphin. Mm. But he was breaking the mirror, so then we got a stainless steel sheet. Uh, a spatula, I think they call it, and and we put that on flat, and of course he was tipped that in to turn over. So he realised after a while it was his own reflection. 
which was very interesting, you know, that this, lots of things, like another thing was at night, you know, I said, did he go to sleep? Where did he go? What did he do? Mm-hmm. So we just wait until the evening, until he got dark, and we would follow him out, you know, and try and, first of all, see what, where did he go? And we found he was going to a little cave, and he disappeared. So, of course, we'd waited for a while, and we'd get inside and into the water, duck in and swim in, and with the lamps, and there you'd see him in, a, in an upright position with, you know, maybe less... We'd say greater than 45 degrees, maybe about 60 degrees. And and there he in that angle, and his head just, the blowhole area just over the water, and he'd be, and up and down, you know, and he breathing. So he snores. When that snores, to say that's the, 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 the air that's being expelled, mm-hmm. and why it comes out like that is, is that there are little water droplets on the, the hole in the back mm-hmm. of his head, you know, on the air hole. And he has to forcefully get out the air to get rid of all the little water droplets yeah. as well. Yeah. What was the What was the first night dive like with him? Must have been fairly scary, was it? Or, or well, you know, night dive, you're always thinking, you know, of of what's behind you, what you see in front of your friend. Um, it wasn't really, I suppose. You know, that we went out and he'd swim in. He he used to be very frightened of the the light in the beginning, and even still to this day, if you take a photograph of him using flash, that you're frightening the life out of him and he swims away. Mm-hmm. But what we did was we started to uh, take out a light with us in the daytime and shine it. And of course, being inquisitive, he'd swim over to us and look right directly into the light. And then as time went on, you know, in the evenings, as it got dusk, that he was able to recognise that what we had in our hand wasn't going to hurt him. So eventually he didn't take any notes of the light. Some evenings when we'd go on the dives, you know, at night, he'd, he'd swim around us other evenings, he'd completely ignore us and go away. If he was to go tomorrow, Ronnie, what would you think would be the effect on, on the on Dingle itself? Well, there's a lot of people who would, would, um, would hurt their pockets more than anything else, because he's he's been fantastic to Dingle. Um, How would you feel? I'd be sad, of course, but I realised that this... I was one of the lucky ones that I had him as much as anyone, I suppose, or more than anyone. And and I'd be very sad, but um, maybe he might go to some other place and give as much enjoyment and love and fun, uh, you know, as he did in Dingle, he might do it some other place. Mm. He's unique in the sense that he's probably the, or one of maybe two dolphins that have come to a location like that and stayed for so long. That's right, yeah. We only from here said that we hear that, you know, dolphins around the world, there's only a handful of them you could count in your hand that have come and stayed in, in an area and befriended people. And, um, he, you know, it's very rare in this.